No, I don't know. I mean, even like the most left-wing comedians are now doing like right-wing things because they've just been like forced to the fringes. Yeah, no, I think the right is having like a cultural moment right now. It's like, it's it's a counterculture. It's, it's cool. Like being manly is now like considered being conservative, which I think is good for the movement. I think comedy is the only industry that's kind of moving in this direction though, that's moving in the direction away from political correctness, the radical far left. Like if you're, if you're on that side, you've missed the boat and you're just not on the side of the majority anymore. Yeah, there's a correction happening for sure. All right, guys, let's get this started. Everyone, welcome to the podcast. We're starting a new program here at True North. It's called Off the Record. We thought we would bring it to you every Friday. And the concept of the show is that we just talk about the news, we talk about the stories, and you, you know, you get our full honest uh, opinions and perceptions on our individual shows. So I'm joined by Andrew Lawton, who hosts the Andrew Lawton Show, Harrison Faulkner, host of Ratioed, and I host my own show, Candace Malcolm Show. And you're going to hear our opinions and our real thoughts on issues during those shows. But we thought it'd be fun to get together and just talk about what happened in the week that was and give you sort of a more relaxed and uh, honest uh, interpretation of, of the events uh, that were. So pleased to uh, be here with you. Andrew's uh, enjoying a nice glass of, what is that? You Pinot said Noir? relaxed and honest. It's a Cabernet Sauvignon. <laughs> Good for you, man. Uh, so so yeah, so let's, let's get to it, guys. Uh, I, I want to start by talking about what I think is the biggest story of the week, maybe the biggest story of the year so far, which is the Alberta Premier Danielle Smith mm -hmm. uh, unveiling a new, really a new chapter when it comes to parental rights in Canada. I think that this is long overdue. This is something that is completely in line with what almost every parent I know and talk to believes. Um, and so, of course, you know, the, the, the liberal powers, and liberal establishment is losing their mind. Um, it cannot happen. Uh, so, so, so here we have uh, Alberta Premier. I'll just play a bit of what Danielle Smith had to say when she was announcing uh, that uh, reassignment, gender reassignment surgeries, uh, castrations basically will not be permitted on children in the province of Alberta. So that's what this here's what this looks like. After much discussion, the government caucus and I have therefore decided to implement the following policies and guidelines as it relates to transgender minors and athletes, including additional supports to assist transgender adults to secure the health care they need and the counselling support for youth identifying as transgender to ensure they can successfully work their way through their complex feelings and emotions as they grow to adulthood. First, on the issue of gender reassignment treatments for minors. For minors age 17 and under, top and bottom gender reassignment surgeries will not be permitted. For children age 15 and under, puberty blockers and hormone therapies for the purpose of gender reassignment or affirmation will also not be permitted, with the exception of those who've already commenced their treatment at this time. So Andrew, I'll, I'll go to you. Uh, what, what, what was your initial thoughts on this and, and how do you think the Premier handled it? So I, from a, a political comms perspective, she did phenomenally well because she, she tried to preemptively deal with all of the standard criticisms that she knew she was going to face. I mean, the first part of the video, and we had a little bit of it there, the whole thing is, is seven minutes long. She's talking about how much she loves transgender people and supports them. And she's always talked to them and advocated for them and all of that. And then when she gets to the policies, I mean, it sounds like, I mean, she, she doesn't have children, but it sounds like she is being a mother in that capacity. And I mean, it sounds like she's being really caring and compassionate, but saying we need to draw a firm line on, on what we do on this issue. And I, I think she went far, far beyond 
how Lane lawyers that have done similar policies. She went far beyond uh, them in terms of how she presented this. And I, I find it interesting, though, and, and we'll get to a bit of the criticism of it. None of that matters because the people that dislike the policy don't care about that compassion. They don't care how nice it sounds. They don't care about that. Uh, you know, it was as though she was just going out into the street and executing trans people. That's basically the reaction that she was getting on this. Right, which is which is why I think in some ways conservatives try too hard to appeal to the left and the left is never going to agree with you. Like the left is going to put a target on your back and call you a bigot pretty much no matter what you do. And so in in this in this instance, you know, this is this is solid policy. This is long overdue. Again, I think this is in line with what almost every parent that I talk to, that I know, that I interact with at my kids' schools, this is what people believe. This is people are like paranoid and terrified of the gender ideological like steamrolling that's happening in schools and there's always stories yeah. and there's always whispering like parents do not like this stuff right and that the policy is sound it's I, I loved how uh danielle smith went out to the media afterwards and just took all of their questions and she's feeling like the craziest most deranged uh re reactions and she's like you know this is in line with what's happening in denmark what's happening in norway what's happening in all these you know progressive liberal scandinavian countries and it's true it's like it's like no no, no you are the outlier progressive left in Canada. You are the ones that are absolutely out of step with the rest of the world and public opinion. Um, and and, and if, if anything, I think that Danielle conceded too much uh, on the ideological ground by, to your point, Andrew, talking so much about how we love transgender people and, and tr being transgender is just A-OK -okay and it's great. It's like, well, that's not exactly true. And, and I don't think that most Canadians agree with that. I don't know. What, what do you think, Harrison? Well, when I heard the the original video, I kind of had the same reaction to Andrew, which was, wow, this was actually very well done. This was professional and it was smart politically to try and show that compassion. I didn't think that the reaction from the left was going to be as deranged as it was. I probably should have, but I didn't actually think they were going to be this way. Uh, it's unbelievable that they're talking about how this is horrific and this is this is the worst possible thing to happen when all that actually was really announced was... Men can't compete against women in high school sports. We're going to stop that from happening. And people who are, and kids who are age 17 and under can't mutilate their own bodies. It's, it's unbelievable that the reaction to a decision like that is frightening, horrifying, the worst possible thing ever. It's, it's unbelievable. I, I can't believe it because you don't see people saying that 17 year olds should be, uh, should be allowed to drink and get behind, you know, drive on their own. But this is the exact same thing, but it's a it's a life altering permanent decision. So why why is this why is this so controversial? It's actually unbelievable that the federal government and everybody else on the left is reacting this way. It's kind of kind of frightening. Almost. Well, I, I should say uh, that this was like the invasion of Poland, I believe. Uh, if we go to uh, Randy Wassenode, Let, let's roll that clip here. I, I'm not I'm not exaggerating. Let, let's roll that clip. This is our NATO moment as an LGBTQ2 community. An attack on one of our communities is an attack on us all, and I need allies and champions to stand up. We already have the Social Worker Association of Alberta, the Alberta Teachers Association, the Canadian Civil Liberties Association, and a gal who's already mentioned that they will start a court challenge on board. There will be a rally at uh, the legislature in Edmonton on Sunday. I will be there. And if there's ever been a time in this century for people to stand up, for the kind of Canada and the kind of Alberta we want. <laughs> this, this, 
I, I just love that. You know, it's a, you know, someone steamrolls into Belgium uh, or Poland or Greece and we invoke NATO collective defense. That's the same as a policy supporting parental rights, our NATO moment. Uh, we, we should use that, by the way, whenever like, you know, Bill C-18 comes out. It's like, this is our NATO moment as independent media. <laughs> I mean, it's it's so silly to, to think. And, and, and he emphasizes that again, right? Like this is like our once in a generation uh, moment to, to fight against the right uh, or, or whatever. And it's like, really, liberals, this is the issue? Like, you think you're going to run the next election on this issue? Like, like it's interesting because there, there is some other criticism. We have a clip we'll play in a second from another Trudeau minister where she's talking about how she doesn't think that Danielle Smith did enough consultations and she didn't talk to enough uh, trans kids, I guess, uh, to, 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 to introduce this policy. It's like, you know, here, here at True North and, and through our journals, we talked to a lot of Canadians. They see a lot of public reaction. And, and I would say that this is one of those issues that the left is just wrong on they're out of touch and if if the trudeau government really wants to fight an election and, and make this their like issue to die on like good luck man good luck with that well, uh, parent, parenting transcends politics on that and that's what i mean to the left this is just a left versus right thing you know exactly and and this is one of those issues where i just think that they they don't they're not in line with public opinion uh that the, the most parents even if maybe they won't say it aloud to a pollster or someone calling up I, I, I think deep down when it comes to like your children and the fact that they go to school and someone might be telling them that they're born into the wrong body, that there's something wrong with their body and that they have to start taking like chemicals and life altering drugs that will prevent them from being able to like have a normal sex life or potentially have children in the future. Like you're telling little kids that. I mean, it's just it's just so preposterous. And uh, again, good on Danielle. I, I, I want to play this clip from this is Trudeau's Minister of Women and Gender Equality and Youth, which is apparently one ministry now. Uh, her name's Marcian. So here's here's what she had to say. Randy, both Randy and I spent last night and into this morning consoling kids, talking to advocates, and then saying we will make sure and go back to our cabinet colleagues that everything is on the table, anything that we can do, but the consultation with community, and this will be happening across the country. Uh, I mean, it has been happening, but I'm going to be heading on the road and bringing forward, you know, the opinions and the life experiences of those this impacts. So what I wouldn't do is put out a statement without proper consultation and othering people before, you know, I, I want to say blowing up people's lives. Othering people and blowing up people's lives. Harrison, over to you. Well, I find it kind of strange that the uh, minister, both of those ministers were talking late at night on the phone with trans kids and consoling them over <laughs> this decision. Uh, it is a weird thing to be bragging Rumors. about. But yeah, you know, why don't they, can you just leave the kids alone, please? Uh, and let them make their own decisions when they're adults. I want to bring this point up though, as well, because this has been getting lost in all of the leftist reaction. Danielle Smith's announcement, what people are not talking about is the fact that she's actually making life for transgender people in Alberta who are adults easier. She's trying to actually get a doctor who specializes in surgeries and transgender aftercare into Alberta. So she's actually trying to make their lives easier while protecting children, allowing them to make their own decisions and not ruin their lives. I don't know why Marcy Ian was on the verge of tears over the fact that children will no longer be able to mutilate themselves. 
without their parents' consent, it's a very strange thing to fight on. And I guess if this is the hill they're going to die on, go for it. I don't think you're going to win with the immigrant vote, and I don't think you're going to win with the majority vote either. Well, let me just, uh, let me bring in uh, Cheryl, uh, sorry, Chanel Pfaff, who's a former teacher. She's a prominent conservative commentator because I, I agree with what she has to say here. She says, I'll preface this by saying that I like Danielle Smith and I support her efforts to address this. Unfortunately, though, she is currently seeking to find a middle ground with a cult. She's playing their game and using their language. Gender identity is not a real thing. It's a made up term for something that does not exist. Biological sex, i.e. sex simply cannot be altered. It is an immutable trait. I don't know how we are to fight this ideology when even our most based politicians refuse to discuss the issue truthfully without ideologically written language. I think, Andrew, you and I are going to disagree a little bit on this, but part, part of the announcement was bringing in all these resources to accommodate and facilitate more gender reassignment surgery for adults, as Harrison just mentioned. Yeah. And, and to me, I mean, sure, I guess it's better that they don't have to travel all the way to Quebec in order to get these services, but why are we as a society facilitating this. Presumably this is government funded as well. It's like, really, is this where we are in a society where we are saying, you know what, as long as you're an adult, you you can pretend to be a woman. You can you can castrate yourself. You can you can remove your sexual biological organs if you want to. Go ahead. I mean it's free society. Not only that, we'll pay for it too. Like what kind of message is this sending? Where where are we as a culture in 2024 where this is like a, a hardcore conservative thing to do? Well, I mean, look, the paying for it, I, I think we can all on this call agree on. I mean, there's a libertarian argument against paying for it and a social conservative argument against paying for it and, and so on. Listen, I mean, we let people make decisions that are not in their best interest. We let adults smoke. We let people do extreme sports. I, I have seen uh, people that have had more plastic surgery than I think the Lego factory has managed to do uh, when you see them walking around with lips that are the size of hot air balloons and, uh, you know, other organs that have been inflated. Well, not organs, but, you know, anyway, it's off the record. You guys know what I mean. Uh, so so I've seen all of that. And, and you know, I, I don't want the state saying you can't do that because it's not in your best interest. So there is a libertarian argument for it, which is why I actually think Danielle Smith made the politically wise decision here, which is to focus on children, focus on the area where there is a protective role for the state. And even the most civil liberties minded people and individual freedom minded people tend to agree that, that you, you protect the vulnerable. So uh, yeah, should the government be bending over backwards to go out of its way to bring all of these resources in? I don't think it's a priority. And, I, and I'd be interested in seeing, to Chanel Fall's point, was Danielle Smith doing that because she believes in that and she believes that's important? Or was she doing it because she wanted that as a shield so that when people criticized her for being transphobic for the kids stuff, she could say, well, no, we're actually doing all of this. If she believes it, look, that's her government's position, fine. If she's just doing it because she's trying to make this concession, then I, I have a significant problem with that. But, but ultimately what's gonna happen here is we're, we're going to see jurisdiction shopping anyway. And, and I think the problem that we were already going to see in Canada is that people from the United States were going to be coming up north uh, because you had provinces that are far more permissive with this. And I, I think that when provinces start to take this seriously, it's actually a good thing, not just for Canadians, but arguably for some Americans as well. 
Well, so according to your logic, then this next story shouldn't bother you at all. So uh, David Menzies over at I the regret Rebel. doing the show. I'm out. I, I quit. <laughs> <laughs> David Menzies, our friend over at the Rebel, uh, broke this story. This in- incredible, uh, like real life lady ballers, the Daily Wire movie that just came out. He went down to Seneca College, which is you know adults over the age of eighteen, right, Andrew? And uh, here we have five men playing on a women's volleyball team so 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 hey you know they're 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 adults they can do as they wish uh let's uh let's let's play david menzies clip here because it's really really something david menzies for rebel news here at centennial college in toronto and we have the latest example of transanity to the power of five quite literally we were tipped off that this female volleyball game that we witnessed earlier featured not one, not two, not three, not four, but five men pretending to be females. Three were on Seneca, two were on Centennial. Gee, can you imagine which side won? Not only that, the male players were always on the court. So you had biological female substitutes just sitting on the bench for the entire game. So Andrew, I'll let you respond. Well, you've grossly mischaracterized my position on this. I think you should have the right as an individual to live your life the way you want. I do not believe that you have the right to impose that on others. So here we have an example where those five men are imposing their choice on others who I don't know for a fact, I would assume didn't have a say in the matter. Uh, and I think on athletics, absolutely, you are you are imposing. I, I think there should be uh, the ability for people to create leagues that are open to people of, of all or multiple or no genders whatsoever. I don't know all the, the categories now. I think it was like Facebook, where when you choose your gender, you've got like, you know, 97 options. So, uh, you know, if there's someone wants to start a league that will take the, the pan-gender, the agender, the transgender, the non-gender, the male, the female, all of that, fine. I, I don't really care. Uh, so I, I think that is my where my libertarianism is there. It is not the ability to inject yourself into spaces that are supposed to be single sex. And that's where I, I don't think there's any disagreement on from anyone on this call. Well, I mean, to me, it just makes my blood boil that that moment where you see all of the female athletes who like, don't forget the the, the sacrifice, the commitment, the dedication yeah. it takes to become a an athlete at that level. Like it's not, you know, we're not talking about a beer league here. We're talking about a college team and to, to yeah. just see them totally, you know, wasting their efforts sitting on the sidelines or kind of almost acting like cheerleaders. Uh, <laughs> there's no, there's nothing more infuriating. Uh, and see that. And then interestingly, the longer clip, which we didn't play, uh, you can see that the people around the team get like really angry and really defensive and they start yelling at Menzies and calling him a transphobe and saying F off and talking about vaginas. Like it, it gets really deranged and weird um but 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 it's it's weird to see how people react it's like they don't stop and think like what is right here what is correct all they think is here's someone who's trying to like disrupt what we've already agreed that we're going to do how dare he uh what do you think harrison well remember david menzies is going after the star athletes on these teams guys these teams want to win and so he's exposing the people who are who are you know carrying the team? So the will to win clearly has trumped any actual sane thinking for the volleyball <laughs> athletes, the volleyball coaches. Don't yeah. forget, remember he did this whole story on a rugby player, a man who was just injuring women on the field. Clearly, uh, the star player of that rugby team as well. 
I always I laugh at the beginning where it looks like someone's trying to hit David Menzies with the volleyball when he first starts his video. Anyway, I, I find the whole thing ridiculous, obviously, and uh, the reaction is very strange. They don't want to expose their their uh, their 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 secret weapon, so to speak, on their teams. And this is the kind of thing that proves Daniel Smith's point about why the province has to stop this from happening. You have to protect the sanctity of competition and sportsmanship in sports. Otherwise, the whole thing is just a joke. It's just this, it's just this sneaky, strange, you know, field to try and get your get it get an advantage. It's very strange. No, it's it's terrible. Yeah. yeah ahead, no, I was just gonna I, I can't remember when this came out. I don't know if you guys saw it. There was some video that circulated. I probably saw it on Jonathan. gaming or females in gaming uh psa and it was this video of like all of these these younger girls young women that were talking about being in the gaming world and there was probably in the video only one female that was like so you had like you know this montage of nine people talking and like i i might have been all were male but there there was one that i i think was the most compelling example and that's again that's going to be the future of sports and you and candace had like compared this to that daily wire movie that either just has it come out yet i haven't actually seen it uh oh, you gotta see it it's hilarious is it good okay so, lady but lady ballers was it yeah lady ballers yeah no so i mean lady ballers is i mean it's 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 a it's a pretty cheesy like low budget movie or whatever independent movie but but the concept is like a bunch of washed up high school basketball players decide to like reunite uh, for their glory days. And uh, they're obviously like too old and out of shape to to play for like a, a competition against man, men. So they like, you know, realize that they can game the system and they go play against women and they dominate them. And it, it, it's satire, but it, it happens, right? It's like, this is literally what we're watching. And so when you go back and you watch Lady Ballers, uh, you realize that it's not this like absurd scenario that they've just like created to mock the left. It's like, this is literally happening every day uh, especially in countries like canada where everybody's just so polite and you know they want to be seen as progressive they want to be seen as good little liberals and so they don't want to rock the boat they don't want to say anything even though like deep down i think you have to realize especially if you have a daughter or if you're a woman i mean look i have told a story before but i grew up playing hockey when i was younger i played with the boys because i was pretty good and it got to a certain point where biologically i was just different and i couldn't fight against my biology as much as i tried and it was just not really safe for me to play with the boys anymore. So I moved over to the girls league. And at first I didn't like it because it wasn't challenging enough, but over time it's like, this is a space where I can excel and I can get opportunities and I can play and this is my sport. And you know, the idea that they, you know, that they would start inserting boys into that scenario, it totally erases the whole idea of having women's sports. And it is absurd, but I commend the guys over at the Daily Wire for having uh, the courage to, to point this stuff out and really for playing an active role in the culture, right? Like we're, we're journalists, we're nerds, we sit on the sideline and we watch it all unfold and we comment on it. Uh, whereas the Daily Wire, they're, they're actually like in the culture now and they're like fighting a ground war. So I know you guys are both going to cringe uh, at this next clip, but here, here we have it. We live in a world where Ben Shapiro, you know, the, 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 the fast talking nerdy Jewish guy that hosts the most popular podcast. He is now America's number one rapper. I think he might be the number one rapper in the entire world with his song Facts. Uh, it came out last week. Uh, he's collaborating, by the way, with a Canadian rapper who's actually a rapper, this guy, Tom McDonald, who's 
quite good and uh, quite popular. He has a, a large following in the independent world. But here it is. Uh, here is Ben Shapiro rapping a song that people are actually downloading and paying for. So let's play that clip. I got the facts. My money like lizard. My pockets are fat. Homie, I'm epic. Don't be a whap. Dog, it's a yarmulke. Homie, no cap. Look at the grass. Look at my charts. You're blowing money on strippers and cars. You go into prison. I'm on television. Dogs, no one knows who you are. Keep hating on me on the internet. My comment section all woke Karens. And I make racks off compound interest. Y'all live with your parents. Nikki, take some notes. I just did this for fun. All my people download this. Let's get a billboard number one. And I think I think they did it. I think they got the billboard number one. I, I I love the lyrics. I love that Ben embraces the fact that he is this like nerdy guy that talks fast. And 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 here they are actually having a voice. This is to my point. I think that the conservatives conservatism is having a cultural moment right now, where you know people people are going and downloading this song not necessarily because they like it or because they think Ben Shapiro is a talented rapper, which he isn't. Uh, but because it's like fighting against the establishment, it's like a big middle finger to the music industry, to the powers that be that we know manipulate everything. We know that they have their hands on the scale. We know that the last thing that they want is for a conservative pundit to become the top, especially someone who's been so critical of rap over the years. And I think there's quotes of him saying that rap isn't real music and and, and all that stuff. Uh, so, 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 so the fact that that it's almost like a game stop moment. It's like, let's take down the big guys. Let's, let's take down the establishment. And, and I think that, I mean, I, I think it's awesome. Candace, does this rap you song the, uh, the Canadian, Canadian content? Is this Canadian content here? Because Tom McDonald is sort of the actual guy yeah. who actually made this. Look, maybe C11 actually helped them out. Maybe it bumped <laughs> up the algorithm on, on uh, Apple and uh, Spotify yeah. to get it going. I think it's, I think it's great, but we should not be just, you know, praising Ben Shapiro. We have another Canadian rapper who's now the number one rapper, Unseated Drake. This is like a, this should be a big Canadian moment. Call it a yeah, heritage well, moment. Maybe if he wins a Grammy, he can thank Justin Trudeau for uh, yeah, exactly. fixing the algorithms for him. <laughs> yeah. Bumped up the song a little bit. <laughs> that, no, that, yeah, we should get to get them to do like the theme song for Off the Record. It'll be, uh, it'll be wonderful. <laughs> Shapiro's got to be the only guy who, when he raps, ends up talking more slowly than when he's speaking. That's like the weirdest thing about that is that it's easier to understand him rapping than when he's uh, going off on the show, I think. Oh, yeah. At, at times, you, you know, usually I listen to podcasts at like 1.25 or 1.5 just to, you know, get get to the point fast. Uh, when I listen to Ben, I have to I have to listen to it one. Sometimes I have to like oh, go 0. back. 0.75 even. Yeah, 0.75 just to understand what he's saying. But the, the thing I like about it is that other like rappers, like legitimate rappers are actually giving props to Ben and, and saying that, you know, he, we have Nicki Minaj uh, saying, you know, go listen to it and congratulating him for his success. And, you know, of, of course, I think Ben knows that his music is kind of cringy, but that's that's the point of it. Right. And and I think that he's he's making like multiple points at the same time by actually saying, like, anyone can do this. See, look, I'm doing it. And uh, and, and there he is. By the way, it wasn't, I mean, he wasn't just number one in rappers. I, I saw that screenshot we put up of the iTunes charts. He, he beat Billy Joel. Now, like that's, uh, now I don't know how old that's, uh, turn the lights back on. Let me look up how old that is. Turn the lights back on by Billy Joel. That's, uh, oh, that came out. That's a new, so he beat Billy Joel even. That, yeah, like Ben Shapiro beat Billy Joel world. on the iTunes charts. Impressive, man. These yeah. guys, they don't mess around. And uh, like I said, people people like it. I don't, I don't know Nick, if it's, it's irony up, or... Yeah, we'll put up the Nicki Minaj tweet. You referenced this. She says, wait till they wake up and listen to what Ben Shapiro is saying in facts. 
the outrage on this one will be a tad bit delayed. And then he had retweeted that uh, to say, yo, Nicki Minaj, best-selling rapper in the world, can't get an invitation to the Grammys. Can you hook a homie up? Uh, so I don't know if, I mean, if he gets invited to the Grammys, that'll be fantastic. But I, 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 can't, I, think of, I can't think of anything more embarrassing for the music industry than seeing this pop up on the top charts of the songs in the world. Oh, okay, Ben Shapiro just beat everybody. You guys, like all your professionals with all your record labels, like how absolutely embarrassing must that be to be beat I, by Ben Shapiro? I hope he goes to the Grammy. Like he won't be invited, but I hope he like has his own little thing in front of the Grammys at least. Totally. I want to see him show up with his glasses and everything. It kind of reminds me of what, what we're doing right now at True North in the publishing world because uh, basically, you know, we, we published Grave Error and it was number one on Amazon. It was like selling thousands of copies uh, over Christmas and doing really well. You had uh, The Rebel published Merrill Litch's biography. And this was mentioned in a newsletter put out by um, Ken White, who's, who's a publisher and very established person in Toronto. And basically, he noted that Mark Messier got a million dollar deal to write a biography. Tamara Lynch basically self-published through The Rebel. And her book has four times as many like reviews and comments, like probably way more read than what the big industry people yeah. are willing to pay millions of dollars for, right? And it's like, this is kind of just a wake up call. It's like, yeah, sure. You can spend millions and millions of dollars and create like a hyper produced, terrible song that no one's going to like in six months. And, and imagine how much money these, these rap stars and rock stars. I mean, like you said, and you're outselling Billy Joel, outselling Justin Timberlake's new song, like all of these really, really probably expensive to produce songs. And, you know, you have Tom McDonald who is independent. He's not, he doesn't have a record label. He puts it out himself. Probably didn't spend that much money on it. I mean, it was really well done, well edited, but didn't spend that much money. And here they are uh, running circles around everybody else. So I, I think, I think it shows again that, that, that the establishment is kind of running out of juice uh, and you can, you can apply that to any, you know, media publishing, book publishing, music industry, may, maybe even like movies. I don't know. Um, but, but again, I think that, this is this is this is all a good sign. Yeah, I, the one thing I'll, I'll point out on this is that people on the right are prepared to do something they weren't always prepared to do, which is put their money forward when this happens. Conservatives have always bought books, like especially in the U.S. Conservative authors have always done tremendously well, like Ann Coulter and Glenn Beck and Sean Hannity. Like in in back kind of the heyday of the, the you know two thousand tens, these people were putting out a book a year, and every one of them was New York Times bestseller for for years. And I think conservatives, it took a little bit of time for that sort of Andrew Breitbart approach of you know politics being downstream of culture to really be realized. But they're producing good quality stuff and people on the right are buying it. I mean, it's not they're not just like uh, spinning is the old radio term I was about to use, but they're not just, you know, watching the, the Ben Shapiro clip on YouTube. They're actually buying it on iTunes. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I did it. It was like a buck. I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. I, I want these guys to hit number one. Like, yeah. <laughs> why not? All right, uh, Andrew, I, I know you wanted to talk about the, uh, the 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 trucker convoy. I know that they've, you know, we've had some justice here with the uh, courts striking down Justin Trudeau's actions, but the, but the liberals are still trying. They're still trying to justify it. They're still trying to mm -hmm. say that everything they did was was a okay and just fine. So I'll, I'll let you uh, I'll let you set up this clip here. Yeah, I, I talked about it a little bit on my show earlier, but I, I thought it 
kind of was important to re- revisit on on this show because uh, for starters, it was two years ago from uh, this exact day that the convoy was in Ottawa. It got there on kind of January 28th, 29th, depending on which leg of it. So uh, there's a, a bit of an anniversary there. But Jody Thomas, who up until a few days ago was Justin Trudeau's national security advisor, she was the national security advisor throughout the uh, course of the convoy's time in Ottawa, was doing the rounds on media. But like, by the way, national security people, I don't think should probably do the rounds on media. But uh, this was what she said in her parting interview on CTV. I think, as I said in my poke testimony, what we were seeing in terms of activity on the ground and intelligence was very clear. Uh, the, there was a huge, huge occupation here in Ottawa. It was increasingly violent. We were starting to hear language about weapons being in the trucks. We had the, the arrest in Coots, which was a significant weapons cache and very concerning. The charges that have been laid there are indicative of what was going on increasingly violent there was no evidence at all presented before the public order emergency commission that there was an increase in violence there was no evidence to support the language uh, that she alluded you can't my air quotes were too wide the language that she alluded <laughs> i don't know somehow i got like some conf- I, wait can i do that confetti. again the confetti effect <laughs> i don't know what happens i think if you put like a thumbs up okay no. what is happening I, I, I did it the other day on a podcast. You put a thumbs up and like little thumbs up popped up. But yeah, because yeah, it's yeah, it happened on a Zoom call. Anyway, I, I, yeah. whatever. These <laughs> <laughs> small things amuse small minds, as they say. Uh, so, uh, yes, where was I? So before the confetti rained down upon me, uh, yeah, she was basically uh, saying things that were not supported by any evidence. I mean, there were rumors going around that there were weapons in trucks, but police seized those trucks. They impounded them. There were, to my knowledge, zero weapons charges that were laid in connection with the Freedom Convoy. So this idea uh, that they were either acting on incredibly bad advice or just making things up is what I take away from that interview. But she was doing that to justify the use of the Emergencies Act, which is unconstitutional. But as you mentioned, government doubling down on this. I mean, Harrison, you spent some time in Ottawa. Did, Did you find any weapons caches while you were there? No, I didn't. Uh, I can't say I was necessarily looking for weapons, but I didn't see them, didn't hear about them. And of course, throughout testimonies that took place months after the Freedom Convoy and before the Emergencies Act inquiry, the police even testified to that, saying there were no weapons found in Ottawa. Notice she gets away saying she gets away by saying this on CTV News and CBC because the the media won't push back on her claims. They'll just allow it to be put out there as justification to unconstitutionally violate the rights of Canadians. But if this were in any other media, if, if Jody Thomas tried to say this to alternative media, which she never would, she'd get pushback for it. It's blatantly just tr- trying to justify, obviously, the wrong decision. And they're still not telling the truth about this. After all this time, they still refuse yeah. to admit the truth. Well, Andrew, maybe you can answer this question. Is a national security advisor a partisan liberal appointee or is it a civil service role? No, it's it's a civil service role. I mean, she, she is the national security and intelligence advisor to the prime minister, but she's a career bureaucrat. I mean, like, because when I, I mean, look, I, I don't want to besmirch her, her approach to work and her qualifications. But when you look at her resume, like her first uh, line item on her resume in the public service was working for Passport Canada. And then she eventually moved from there 
linked to, to being the coast in the Coast Guard division, and she winds away winds up in this position. So she's not someone who had a career at CSIS. She's not someone who had a career in defense. She's not someone. Her degree was in commerce, so it's not even like she's someone who's who's particularly well. Uh, versed from an educational perspective in security and intelligence. She's a career bureaucrat who became the National Security and Intelligence Advisor. But uh, even though it's supposed to be a nonpartisan role, it's astonishing to me how she has been deployed to use government talking points, both at the Public Order Emergency Commission and in that interview. Well, the deep state is real, boys. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the fact that, you know, she comes out talking like a liberal, she called it an occupation, uh, which, which you know, when, when it's the left, when it's, you know, pro-Hamas people, they just call them peaceful protesters, guys, peaceful. Oh, yeah, they, they ignore the threats, ignore the masks, ignore the the, the graffiti and the property dam. They're just peaceful protesters. Uh, when it comes to truckers being peacefully uh, demonstrating their constitutional rights, God-given rights to protest, to peaceful assembly. It's an occupation, right? She says increasingly violent. I know I broke a story the, the first weekend after the the, the uh, trucker convoy that they arrived in Ottawa and every media journalist was pulling their hair out, losing their mind. Justin Ling was obsessed with the fact that these were like violent MAGA Republicans or that they were Russian agents or something like that. Uh, I went through all the police scans. I went through all the police reports. There was not a single incident of violence. Nothing, nothing. When you consider the fact that there were tens of thousands of people out, w basically became like a giant street party. The fact that there was nothing, like there were no, there weren't even, there were no arrests. There were, there was nothing. There was nothing. It was an incredibly peaceful operation. It could have, it could have gone wrong. And I know that there were provocateurs and people trying to, to make the truckers look bad, but they, they showed incredible restraint. They were very orderly. They were very law abiding. They were cleaning up their garbage. They were sweeping the streets. They were upstanding citizens. And, you know, what do we get from the civil servant? We get liberal talking points, the exact same thing. They were violent. We heard rumors of guns. Uh, they were occupying. It's like no one takes you seriously. Like you, you watch someone like that on TV and you just think this person is has a political agenda. That's it. They have a yeah. political agenda and nothing else matters. And the, Yeah, the, and you – go ahead, yeah. Harrison. Sorry. Well, I was going to say that the people who were protesting in Ottawa during the Freedom Convoy were fully aware of the fact that there were people in the crowd trying to make them look bad. They knew that there were provocateurs there that were going to try and disparage the image of the Freedom Convoy and make everybody look as though they were evil and criminal. I, when I talked to them, they were well aware of that. And that's why they went out of their way to do the good to do to do good things, to clean up after themselves, to be respectful, to treat people with respect. Now, we didn't see that on the other side. We saw Ottawa residents cursing at them, yelling at them, calling them, you know, terrorists and all of that sort of thing. But people were fully aware of what what the effort was, which was to try and make them look bad. And they never fell for it. Doesn't doesn't seem to matter for the politicians, though. They just keep going on about these these government talking points. It's ridiculous. And what better contrast to uh, this post from Harsha Walia uh, on uh, X, formerly Twitter, Port of Vancouver blockade calls for immediate arms embargo on Israel. We are completely blockading the Port of Vancouver at all entrances to refuse business as usual during an ongoing genocide in <laughs> Palestine. Canada must stop arming genocide. Uh, now, just for context here, Harsha Walia 
is the, you may remember her, she's a bit of a true North celebrity. She's the former head of the BC Civil Liberties Association, which is a radical far left group. But she was fired for being too radical for the BCCLA <laughs> uh, because she was the infamous burn it all down lady when uh, people were burning down churches and, and she just took the rhetorical match and kerosene to it all. Uh, so she's now saying we need to block critical infrastructure. And I've been waiting since that, can, put that tweet up for a second again, uh, Sean. I just want to look at the date here. Uh, so what's that? Uh, that's February 1st. So that, that was yesterday that that came out. Uh, no Emergencies Act yet, despite the blocking of critical infrastructure. Hmm. Very strange. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's almost as if, as if the laws are applied differently in Canada, that, that, that the left can do things and get away with it. And when uh, working class people try it, not so fast, not so fast. I mean, it's interesting just even seeing uh, Justin Trudeau and how he gets harassed. I mean, look, the guy gets harassed wherever he goes. He gets he gets called off and yelled at. Uh, but but recently, the people that you see with the most amount of pressure calling out the prime minister, intimidating him, are these far left pro Hamas uh, protesters. We saw a clip uh, at the end of last year of him getting accosted in a restaurant, which was actually quite terrifying. If you think about the fact that our prime minister was like in a restaurant with a bunch mm -hmm. of deranged people kind of surrounding him. Uh, you know, there's a clip of him earlier this week. And, you know, again, a huge crowd of pro pro-Palestine, pro-Hamas protesters harassing him. It's not a good look for the prime minister. But of course, you know, when when it was before, when it was sort of right-wing people angry about the vaccine man mandate or angry about uh, his COVID policies, it was like the biggest story in the country. Everyone wanted to talk about the fact that these these right-wing people were harassing a prime minister as a threat to our democracy. Um, and, and, then, and then meanwhile, these Hamas Nicks are out there intimidating him, you know, doing crazy stuff, blocking the port of Vancouver, openly bragging about it, you know, calling for crazy things. And it's like, okay, all right, good job, guys. Go ahead. Yeah. Nothing we've, been we've been informed by our producer that the port of Vancouver is not actually closed. It's, it's not been blockaded, but even if it were, of course, the federal government wouldn't do anything about it. These are, no, these it was are, blockaded. It was blockaded. They just restored it. Oh, okay. So they, they dealt with it. But without the know, Emergencies Act, hmm. without the Emergencies Act, isn't that interesting? Exactly. But of course, these are voters for the Liberal Party. They see these people as potential voters for them. And they, they see that they saw the truckers as uh, as what did Andrew Coyne call them? Antisocial yobs. Yeah, they, they, yeah. they, they look down at the truckers because they are yeah. they are predominantly conservative voters. Uh, that wasn't all of them, but that's how they view them. They view the, the these uh, rural working class people as people to look down at, and they view the people who are out in the streets protecting, uh, protesting against Israel and and promoting Hamas as potential liberal voters. So of course, the rules aren't applied the same way at all. What, yeah, what, and what I don't it, think they froze her bank account either. No, what, what a yeah. coalition, eh? This is this is what the liberals are running on these days, like pro, pro terrorism, pro transing the kids. Like this is by, this by is the way, the, the number of Palestinian flags I've seen in Twitter accounts outraged about Danielle Smith's announcement <laughs> on trans stuff makes me really, really wonder uh, about, you know, trans rights in Gaza. But we'll uh, cross that bridge when we get to it. Yeah, it's a, it's a Venn diagram. It's like perfect overlap. Or I guess we'll, we'll close that bridge when we get to it should be the expression now. <laughs> in, this, in this case. All right, guys. Well, thanks so much for tuning in. It's been fun. We're going to come back and do it again uh, next Friday. So thanks to you for tuning in. Uh, have a great weekend. And remember, everything you just heard was off the record. <laughs>it's like when you're at a movie and you like wait past yeah, the credits the to see if there's a blooper or a deleted Marvel scene post credits or yeah <laughs> <laughs>
And it's always like the worst thing. It's like not funny at all. And you're like, I can't yeah. believe I waited. 10 yeah, you're like, I wasted ago. like eight minutes sitting in the theater <laughs> waiting for that. Uh, I went through the lighting guy. And